Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. All right, welcome to episode 91 of The Future Belongs to Creators. Today, I'm joined by Charlie Prangley. Charlie, thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) So we are talking today, this is a topic that uh, you suggested, I thought it would be a lot of fun, is the idea of should we, sorry, I had audio playing twice in my head, which is throwing me off slightly um, because you shouldn't have the video open four times. No, not a good (laughs) idea, Nathan. (laughs) Because it's very hard to talk and listen to yourself simultaneously. This topic that you suggested is should you be a personal brand as well as a person? We'll dive into that in a second. We'll leave it as a cliffhanger as to what what we're thinking there, what you're thinking. Um, and we'll just go to red, yellow, green. How are you doing on this fun, fine Monday night? I think I'm green. Uh, it's been a busy week and a busy day today. Like, I don't know, I'm taking, I'm not in the US, but I'm taking the Thursday and Friday off when the rest of the ConvertKit team is. And so I feel like I'm trying to fit five days work into three. So it was a busy day today, but it was a pretty good one. So I'll say I'm green. What about you? Uh, I think we're green as well, but it's interesting how vacation works that way. Right. Like, yeah. I, th- I think there's a lot of jobs where you don't, you're not responsible for outcomes. And in that case, then a vacation is a vacation. And it's like, good luck, all of that. But then when you're in this position of like, well, my performance is based on outcomes, not inputs then it makes vacations harder to take. And so you end up like, I think we're good at convocative having people take unplugged vacations and really turn it into a, an actual vacation. The hard thing is then that we cram so much like, okay, I'm headed out the door. I'm going to, well, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be home, but you know, I'm about to do this vacation and I have to do so much work in order to make that possible. Yeah. It's like, you want to get the work done so that you can switch off fully in those, in the vacation days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd say I'm green, just hanging out at home. We think people in our household might've had COVID. I don't know. Our, our nanny tested positive for COVID at the same time that our, uh, our son Josiah, who's 10 months old, had the same, like same symptoms of a fever and all that. And so it's like the chances of one being COVID and the other not are very slim. So we haven't been seeing anyone. Well, we weren't really seeing anyone anyway, besides like you know, immediate family and stuff like that. But now we're doing nothing. So, <laughs> but I've been working half time and trying to cram more stuff in. So it's been busy, but, <laughs> but we did get some good things in. We got some Twitch streaming. I got yep. to join you. I, I like that you made the time yesterday. for Among Us. Yep. Always important. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> it's very important. Oh man. Well, let's see. Let's dive into the topic. Charlie, why don't you tell us what sparked this idea and... Then we can kick it off from there. Sounds good. So what sparked this idea? Well, like, honestly, this is something that I personally have been thinking about for a long time as a creator, you know, like in my use of social media and how much of my life I share online, you reach a point as a creator where everything you share sort of becomes like part of your, of what you're creating. Even if I'm just tweeting, it's connected somehow to the content that I'm making on YouTube and the, you know, the products that I'm selling and that business that I'm building. And yeah, I've been sort of like, trying to decide how I really felt about it. And then I saw this email from Paul Jarvis, who I'm sure that a lot of people have heard of. 
He's an amazing like designer and maker, and he's been writing this Sunday Dispatch for a long, long time. And um, well, eight years, he says, yeah, and he's ending it now. He's just said that he doesn't want the attention or the admiration anymore. He doesn't want to be a personal brand or like this known dude on the internet is his exact words. Um, he says he just wants to exist and do his work privately. And he said he wants to continue building out Fathom Analytics, which is his tool that he's working on at the moment, just like as a company that exists outside of his personal brand and audience and is just like, you know, in its own right. And I thought this was really bold to like end this hugely popular newsletter, um, close down a Twitter account with, I don't know how many followers he had at that point, but loads. Like 20, 30, 40, 50,000, yep, somewhere in there. Yeah, a lot. A lot. Uh, to just like be like, nope, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to like live my life this way and end it. That was just really interesting to me. It, yeah, it bold is the word that comes to mind most. What did you think when you when you saw this? Oh yeah, so I, I, mean, I thought a bunch a bunch of things. One, it's something that I've thought about before of this idea of like, and I, I love the way you phrased the title of the show of a personal brand, but you're also or a, person. a person, yeah. Like what if, what if I was just a person, mm. you know, it's, I have a lot of friends now that are creators, you know, and I was even thinking about this of like, <laughs> even like the group we were playing among us with yesterday, every single person is a creator, you know, <laughs> like everyone has that. Then, I, you know, there's other friends who are just like, oh yeah, hey, that's cool. That stuff that you're doing on YouTube or with your email list, like, that's nice. I, uh, yeah, sure. I have an Instagram, but I like just post a few photos or, you know, like people who are just normal people right. and don't feel the need to um, turn it into a project or a business yeah. <laughs> turn it into a project so I had a few different thoughts with this one is I've considered it a few different times never seriously because I think for me the the benefits far far outweigh any of the downsides um, but I had just a couple a week ago read a book called searching for Dave Chappelle which is about when for anyone who doesn't know Dave Chappelle wildly famous comedian at the peak of his career had a $50 million deal for um, the next, I think it was just a season of the Dave Chappelle show. And he decided he didn't want to do it. And he walked away from the whole thing and he disappeared like completely. And he would show up here and there and he would do stand up shows, but he walked away from the whole show, all of the money, everything. And now he's starting to come back. Like he's done some Netflix specials and stuff like that. But basically he decided that he liked stand up. He did not like the TV show or, and he didn't like all the stuff where it was going. And so he just completely walked away kind of in the same way that Paul Jarvis did, <laughs> except that Paul actually sent like a breakup letter. I think Dave Chappelle just disappeared. Like he just did not show up to film anymore, <laughs> which is even crazier. And then kind of the last thought is you see people struggle kind of a lot with this. It's somewhat imposter syndrome, somewhat, you know, do I want to be this brand? Do I deserve this? I think you see a lot of creators self-sabotage at some level of, of success. And you can certainly walk away without self-sabotaging. You can mean a lot of different things. So we can dive into all of that. First, I'd love to hear from anyone in the chat tuning in. Is this something that you've considered of like going back to being a normal human, just a, just an individual person. Or, and then Charlie, is this something? Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, or is this like a reason that's holding you back from being a creator too? Because I know that's something a lot of people 
like a lot of people like making things, but they don't want to like have to do the social media thing and put themselves out there and sort of live a more public life in order to get more eyes on the thing that they're making. It's like a hard toss up. Yeah. This is definitely something that I've thought about. I've never thought about stopping everything that I'm doing, but there are definitely times where I'm like, man, it would be nice if I could just like be completely carefree with what I put out on the internet and not worry about any consequences or like, I don't know. I feel like I I purposely, very purposely though, try and toe this line in that my Instagram, for example, is mostly photos of me on holiday with my family or like, you know, in this travel spot. And I have resisted the urge to make it full of like, you know, carousel posts with design tips, that sort of thing. Just recently, I started putting up some posts sort of like promoting my videos to like sprinkle them in amongst the photos and test how that's going. Cause I felt like, well, this is maybe a missed opportunity here that I'm not promoting my videos enough. And, you know, I put work into them, so I want people to see them, but it is like a thing that I think about. And same with my Twitter. I like, you won't find me being just in my niche talking about design on Twitter. Like you're going to have to put up with me talking about Among Us and Formula One and I don't know, whatever else is on my mind as part of that. But I have noticed the bigger my audience grows, the more conscious I am of that. And the more like, the more tweets I write and then delete, if that makes sense, the the larger my audience. It makes complete sense. (laughs) And it's not because my thoughts are anything controversial or whatever. It's just like, I don't know, everything I put out there, I'm thinking, okay, and how does this relate? to like this persona that I'm building intentionally or not, because that's what you're doing when you are a creator, like public online. That's interesting. I don't know that I've thought about it so much as a a carefully crafted persona. I do think about it in terms of, is this worth the potential controversy? Like someone posted, I think this was Austin, who was one of the founders of Morning Brew, posted something about, the more retweets you get and the further it gets outside of your circle, the more people feel the necessity to uh, like take it out of con- context or assume the worst or whatever. And so as it expands in popularity, the more people go, this is crazy. Now, I don't know that I, I feel that side of it so much, but I, I do filter my tweets or filter where I'm like, I could post this, but you know what? That's not worth. So I guess that is me worrying about the persona of it. I guess in those cases, I just like text them or DM them in Slack to bear it. And he, and he goes like, yeah, no, I agree, but you know, you shouldn't post that. Um, so it's important to have maybe just your friend text group <laughs> where those things go out to. And it's not like it's some horrible controversy that you'd be saying, but you know. It, Anything can be controversial on the internet. <laughs> Especially these days. You know, and that brings up a point of even if you're this normal Let's say you weren't trying to be a a known quantity. You're not trying to be a personal brand or any of that. But you have a Twitter because you enjoy following people, or you have Facebook, you know, Instagram, any of these platforms. You can still run into the downsides of it if you're posting and putting out content. Like I can't remember her name, but there's a famous story maybe three or four years ago of someone. I don't know if she was flying to New Zealand or Australia. No, she's flying to South Africa. And when she tweeted something that was controversial and, and it wasn't even taken out, of, it was just a dumb thing to say, you know, and it was, and then she got on the plane, I think in Amsterdam and, you know, it's a 13 hour flight, something crazy. And so she tweets that, gets on the plane 
and it turns it like the tweet gets shared, goes viral. She has lost her job, like all kinds of stuff, even before by the time she's landed, because like it, it turns into this whole thing. And so her name's not Justine. Anyway, but it turned into this whole thing of like, has so-and-so landed yet? Became a major trending hashtag on Twitter and all of this. And I think she worked a little bit in PR and stuff like that, but she wasn't a personality at all. So I guess the first thing is, regardless of whether or not you're a personality, like if you're engaging online, the downsides of social media can can still hit you. Right. And you can unintentionally be a personal brand, I guess. <laughs> now I'm going to... I'm going to pull up this. Oh, it is Justine. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Has I can't Justine believe I missed that. Yet. I feel like I hang out on Twitter like a lot and <laughs> that completely just did not make my radar. <laughs> it was back in 2000, 2013. So it was a long time ago. And it's a, t- a totally tasteless tweet, you know, that she shared. And, and But at the same time, I don't think she deserved the level of, like, I don't think people should lose their jobs over a careless, careless tweet like that. But I guess... Taking it back, and actually Chris brings up something interesting in the chat. He talks about AJ from Card. So Card is a landing page website building tool, really popular in the the no-code space, uh, integrates with ConvertKit. Super cool product. And he stays totally anonymous. I didn't know that. That's really interesting. He's got his name on there. His photo is not a photo of him. It's just like, I, don't, I actually don't even know what it is. Is it him wearing a shield or a helmet or I'd have to look it up and that's it. And he, as, as Chris mentions, uh, letting his work speak for himself. And I think that's really interesting on one end. Also, you come across all of these people who have built massive companies or really successful things. And they've got like a thousand Twitter followers. And I think that's kind of what Paul is getting at of like, well, hold on. What if I was known for being the CEO of, Fathom Analytics. And by known, I mean, if I wanted, you know, as I need to email people for business development stuff and make connections and that kind of thing, people go, oh, oh yeah. That guy from Fathom Analytics. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Instead of being known uh, for a lot more than this. This, um, what Chris is saying about AJ being anonymous makes me think of, well, I'm going to bring it back to Among Us for a second, but a creator I've been watching (laughs) a a lot recently, he's called Corpse Husband is his YouTube channel name. And he like, First got fame, well, got a following a few years ago making, uh, telling scary stories because he's got like this deep voice that's, you know, a great storytelling voice. quite the voice. (laughs) Quite the voice. But he stayed anonymous. Like no one knows what he looks like or what his real name is or anything like that. And he's like blowing up right now. I think he hit 5 million subscribers on on YouTube the other day. Uh, And that's been like a 4 million growth this year almost. And it's been really interesting seeing him talk about the the pressure that the anonymity is bringing, though, in that now, because he's so famous, like that his personal brand is so famous, people are wanting to know the person behind it. And people are like trying to figure it out and like, you know, play detective with it. And um, that's scary in and of itself, the lengths that people will go to to find out. Well, and that's interesting because the lack of information builds excitement and interest. Yes, definitely. Yep. Right. No one is trying to spend any time figuring out who Nathan Barry is, <laughs> right. Or who Charlie Franklin is, right. Cause it's just like, it's out there, you know, Yeah, yeah. people can figure out roughly. You can just Google us. You know, yeah. You can Google us, figure out roughly where we live. Well, let's not into, encourage people to do that. that. Yeah. I mean, at a high level, right, right, right. 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 By city. Yeah. Um, 
though, you know, I did, I got a reply to my email list the other day of someone who's here in Boise who I didn't know. And they were like, Hey, love what you're doing with, with your property. Cause they mentioned a little bit of what we're doing with our property. And they said they drive by it all the time. Cause I do live near a major road and, you know, and, and so that was one of those things. It was kind of interesting. Oh man. Uh, okay. How did that make you feel when you, when someone said that to you? Um, I, I, I probably like 90% didn't care. 10% was thinking about that. The thing is, you if you want your house to not be discoverable, you need to actually not buy it in your own name. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, there are ways you can do that, but you would need to set up a company specifically or a trust or something specifically to buy your house. Otherwise, it's 100% findable of who owns any property or where, you know, where you live or any of those things. Yeah. You know, I guess that's part of the reason we have cameras on our property. <laughs> I don't know. But we also live in a super quiet part of town. That, that is one of those things though, right? That you are a personal brand. And so, I don't know. I personally just would find it weird to think of anyone like knowing where I live if I don't know them. Maybe that's because I'm a woman on the internet. And so we've got like other things to worry about here. But yeah, I've always been really careful to not like vlog right outside our property or anything like that. Um, maybe I've been a little looser since moving to Spain because it's like, I don't know, it feels less risky than in London where a lot of my audience lived. I don't know. But yeah, that's something I'm always wary of. And I have interesting things like, I don't know, the, what, what we're saying about the mystery. So my boyfriend, Mark, doesn't like to be in videos. Like he's just not an on-camera person. And so that's fine. My videos are not about him. <laughs> They're about my work. He doesn't need to be on camera. But anytime, like, I don't know, there's any sort of like, people are really interested in who he is because they haven't met him and they haven't seen him in the videos, if that makes sense. And I find Maybe, that, yeah. I mean, I'm imagining that if you did say a million subscribers and then there was this like reveal video with Mark or something like that, something that people would pay attention to and really enjoy. And so exactly what you're pointing to of like, there's this mystery that builds up. Mm-hmm. Unintentionally. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and it's self-fulfilling. The less time you go to, or you spend talking about it, then the, the bigger it becomes. Yeah. Which is wild. And it, for me, I'm like, I wish there was a way we could pick and choose what people were interested in. <laughs> like, you know, this is this, this podcast for creators, right? So we can like complain about these sorts of things without it. I don't know, seeming like we're ungrateful or whatever. Cause I'm really grateful for the audience that I have. And I'm grateful that anyone's interested in the stuff that I'm working on, but there's some stuff where I'm like, I just wish you were only interested in my work <laughs> and not in anything else. It's like a, a different form of unwanted attention in a way, uh, but we don't get to pick that. We don't get to choose that. Either you're online or you're not. And it's really hard to sort of have, have your foot in both of those, those corners. Yeah, at some point you have to choose what you're going to be. And Paul has made that choice. Yeah. Well, so digging into that, some of the downsides, you know, I don't know how Paul would feel about the fact that because he's going private, we're talking I about know. Yeah. More. I feel a little bit bad about that, but he did send the email out to like, you know, thousands of people on his list. So probably yeah. like 40,000. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and so that that's something, right? Paul is already someone who, yes, he'll go on podcasts. Yes, he'll put out a lot of things, but he's already had pretty good boundaries or guidelines of like, this is what I do online. This is my private life. You know, that kind of thing of like, even just not going to conferences for so long. And, and, um, you know, and he would be like, look, I live in the middle of nowhere in British Columbia. Like I'm going to do my thing. Don't bother me. 
compared to other people who might be looking for that name recognition or, or who might enjoy getting recognized on the street. You know, Paul's very much the other side. What I'm curious about is more of those downsides. Like he, he didn't really get into it much in the email, but of like, what's enough to get you to walk away from that? Especially in a case like for Paul, where he's walking away from significant earnings, right? Fathom Analytics is going to do great. I actually believe strongly in the message of, hey, I'm going to focus in on this one thing because it has crazy upside. And I've written about that in the Billion Dollar Blog uh, post that I put out a while ago. But at the same time, he's probably walking away from a million dollars a year by not doing courses, public you know, all of that stuff. Sponsorships, um, whatever he wants. Yeah, with that. It's a lot size. of money. Yeah. You know, I think my world of trying to find compromise or balance would be like, okay, how can I have all of the upside without the downside? And I think right now I live in this world where, you know, I don't I don't have much downside to it or I don't feel the downside. I don't know. Are there other downsides that you feel right now? I can feel sometimes the uh, what a lot of... Um, creators I've heard talk about, especially more on the influencer side, they feel like they're always on. By just existing, they are working because their life is their content, right? And I feel like that was a conscious choice I made to not go in that direction because I saw it happening. I used to like vlog a lot of my, like just life, not just the work stuff, but the life stuff too on trips with friends or with family, that sort of thing. Now I don't do any of that. You're not going to see me vlogging a holiday with Mark or, or with my parents or whatever. Um, well, even, I mean, that that's an interesting balance. We're both kind of, uh, that we've both navigated together at times of like last November, a year ago now, we were at Disneyland with a bunch of our friends. And that was one of those things. I don't think I ever did anything with the video, but I took a bunch of video because I wanted to remember it. And you, I remember a conversation we were having where you're like, yeah, this is uh, not related to my work in any way. So I'm not going to take any video that's not, you know, just, just for me. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you and I both would post to Instagram with a photo of us and all of our friends in front of the Millennium Falcon or something like that, you know. Um, oh, man, this is just we'll making me miss Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah, I could see that. Levi uh, jumped in the chat and he said that uh, his, so this is Levi Allen, um, who's another filmmaker friend of ours, says their van that they live and travel in part-time is very recognizable. And that can be highly annoying at times. I, I guess there are those circumstances where you wouldn't want to be interrupted. And you don't just, I don't know, it's, it's about being like on. Levi's hanging out with his family and is like, I don't know, maybe it's not a day where he feels like talking to a stranger. I, I don't know if Levi has those kind of days, but I have those days often as an introvert. <laughs> and, you know, I know when I go to a conference and it's a design conference and I'm speaking that I can expect that people might recognize me from my videos because that's where my audience is going to be hanging out. And I like am on the whole time, like ready to smile at someone and have a conversation. When I'm just walking around my own city, I am not prepared to do that all the time. And that's why I prefer to like not have it super well known exactly where I live so that people could find me there or, you know, notice me there, that sort of thing. And I think that at, the, at my level where I'm at, I don't really have to worry about that a lot right now, but I could definitely see it being a potential problem in the future, I guess. That makes me think of um, a story that a friend of mine told it was a business conference that I went to 
it was a small conference, maybe a hundred people or so, 150. And everyone was, you know, like, I thought that ConvertKit was doing well. And then I talked to people and they're like, ConvertKit is, but this sort of thing where like, okay, we have a small business compared to everyone who's here. And in that conversation, talked to a friend who in a previous career, she helped a lot of like Hollywood celebrities and, you know, LA elite kind of people find uh, house managers and nannies and, and that kind of thing. She was talking to one of her friends in that world who's rich and famous. And he was asking like, oh, what are you up to? And she mentioned she's going to this conference. And so he asked more about it. And then once he understands it, he goes, wait, so these people are, are all rich and not famous? Oh man, that'd be perfect. <laughs> you know, and like, wait, you could go to the grocery store and just like shop? That's amazing. And... Um, and so they were talking about how so many of, you know, these business owners or people who have uh, achieved a level of, of wealth are then trying to become more popular or famous or any of those things. And he's like, what are you doing? You've already got it perfect. You know, you can build the wealth without the other thing or, you know, without the, the downsides of fame. And I thought that was super interesting because, you know, when I'm like, I'm never going to be a movie star famous or anything like that. Never say never, Nathan. That's true. (laughs) My Netflix uh, uh, pilot is coming out Your stand-up series, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, but it is interesting as you pursue kind of that, a higher level of of fame and attention. And I think the media or the medium that you use makes a big difference. Like, for example, two speakers that we've had, Craft & Commerce. Mark Manson, Casey Neistat. They're both wildly popular. Mark Manson has had uh, his book, The Subtle Art, like top of the New York Times bestseller list forever. It only got displaced by his other book uh, when it came out. I mean, talking to him, his his agent joking around, like called him up and said, hey, I have good news and bad news. Bad news is you fall into number two on the list. Good news is your new book is (laughs) what puts you in that spot. So like crazy level of fame, but if you saw Mark Manson on the street, I don't think you would know that he read this or wrote this book that's been sold 10 million copies or whatever. Casey Neistat, you know, gets recognized in the Boise airport when he's here, you know, and that's very different, right? Because his face is front and center. He's on everything. And that's, you know, even when a Seth Godin or a Mark Manson comes to speak at an event, like they have a line of fans, whereas a YouTuber has a mob of fans where like the police need to be involved <laughs> to make sure it doesn't get out of hand. And so as you choose what, it, what version of public you want to be, like that's something that you should factor in. That's a great way to put it. What version of public do you want to be? Because I do think that to have success as a creator, the, the beauty of creators and why we follow creators and not businesses, you know, publishing books or whatever is because of the people and because of that human element to it, the person behind it. So you do want to get to know them, even if like in the case of going back to my example of Corpse, all you know about him is these few things that he's said, like through streams, you know, it's still not a computer generated voice reading you a story. It's, it's a person. Uh, and you have to choose like how much of yourself are you willing to trade for the success, I guess, or put out there. You're not trading it because you're still you. Share. Maybe that's a better word. How much of yourself do you want to share? in order to be successful as a creator. And those are great examples that you just shared of different options that are available. And I think it one isn't easier than the other 
to find success with. It might be just where your natural talents and interests lie is what options are, are available to you. Because I don't, for me personally, I don't think I could have the Mark Manson type of success. I'm not that good a writer and I don't have that good an ideas at the moment. <laughs> but like, that would be something I could hope for in the future, right? Like I'm working on a couple of books and that would be great for me to have someone know me from my books, not from my YouTube channel. That would be like a marker of success for me. And it's not because anything against the YouTube channel is just like that, that would be amazing. And that would be a dream, you know? Yeah. And so I think if this is something that anyone has pondered of the downsides of success or, or, you know, understanding the negative aspects of it could be, I would write down, you know, what, you, what you're specifically worried about. Cause if you're like, look, I do not want to be recognized on the street. Then like, well, YouTube is probably not for you. Podcasting that might be just great for you. Cause like I'm a big Dan Carlin, hardcore history fan, not a clue what the man looks like. But if I was going through the grocery store and I heard him talk, I'd be like, I'd expect him to like get into some big dialogue about World War One or, you know, some massive conflict, you know, and you'd be like, that's Dan Carlin, you know, but that's a level of, of fame that you're not gonna have to worry about compared to a Casey Neistat or, or like another example at social media marketing world. I remember Gary Vaynerchuk was there and he had given a talk and stuff, but there was even like this level of, when people found out where he was hanging out, like it wasn't even an official meetup. He was just like, hey, hanging out here or some, you know. And it was like 300 people descended on the hotel pool area to try to get a photo, not a photo with Gary, of. a photo of Gary. Wow. <laughs> and you're just like, oh God. That is the next level. But that's because he's curated that, like, yeah. that brand where he's front and center. Yeah. Um, and I think so that it's a very different thing. It, like it creators de deliberating on this and deciding on it, you have to decide where your own line is too, right? Like it took me a bit of going perhaps a little over what I discovered was my line to come back to it and realize, no, I don't want to be doing that. In order for me to do this sustainably and to keep being excited about it, I need more like off time where I'm not thinking about being on camera and I'm not like filming every second of my day worrying about trying to capture it all. Because for me, I found that that truly did take away from me actually living it and enjoying it. Whereas for some people can do both. Some people can capture as well as live and they that's why they're famous vloggers because they, they do it great. Um, but that's not me. And so I had to learn where that line was for myself. And um, I've been like, I've honestly found more success with my content since putting that in place because I've been more passionate about it, right? And I've had more focus with it. Uh, and so it's it's worked out and you can pull back if you want to, I guess is what I'm saying. What's interesting is that a lot of your content, it doesn't become easier to create, but it becomes more narrowed. It tends to focus in on a specific niche and it's going to grow more easily because it's like, oh, it's a lot of content in the same space. You know, the other thing that's interesting is like if you put out like your salary videos, you know, design salary videos have done really well. And while there's production that goes into that, it's not the level of like, let me go and do a whole vlog and all this stuff because you're in your office in front of your camera. And actually a lot of really popular YouTube videos are just someone delivering content on a particular topic to their audience rather than doing a Casey Neistat, like here I am being everywhere and doing all this crazy stuff. Yep. Surfboarding and yeah, all the things. <laughs> Surfboarding and backflips. I think I would also define you know, more of those lines, where are they for you? Like Casey even has those that he doesn't put his kids' faces in his videos because he 
you know, saying that basically their identity is theirs. I can do what I want with my identity, but I want them to be able to have their own. And then, you know, I even think about like specifically in what you put out there, you know, in your life, like knowing who the audience is, you know, and saying, no, this isn't for everyone to follow me or all my stuff. This is my business content. So even though like Mark Manson, for example, or James Clear, they both have Instagrams, but their Instagrams are very much content from their articles. You know, it might be some videos or clips, but it's very much like, this is just more of my core business brand. I think another thing that creators get into is they tend to think about things all or nothing. I don't know. I haven't talked to Paul in a long time, probably 2012 to, I don't know, 2015. We talked a lot more. So it's probably been at least four years since I've had an in-depth conversation with him. So I don't know that this is what he's doing, but I think creators can get get caught up in making a big deal out of something or making it that it has to be all or nothing. And that's certain personality types. But for me, if I found myself in that place, I would just say, oh, I'm going to pull back. I wouldn't say I'm going to shut down and delete everything and go away. I would say like, okay, I'm going to like take a break from the newsletter and see how that feels. Or I'm going to... Like, hey, just so you all know, I've decided to go all in on building this other business. So you know me for these 10 things. Going forward, I'm going to be talking about this one thing. But it is interesting to think about, like, I'm not going to use the brand to try to grow the business anymore. I've thought about, you know, what if you grew a business, I think on a hard mode, which is where you're like, I'm going to do it without an audience. That has like sort of this appeal of like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it to prove that I actually have the skills or something. But I think that's just making things artificially difficult. I, okay, you bringing that up, I feel like that just sort of like stabbed me inside or something thinking about that. Cause a concern I have as a creator, I'm like, okay, I'm getting invited to speak at these design conferences. You know, I have people interested in me writing a book or whatever. Are they only interested because I've built an audience? And is that my value? And especially um, being a woman in tech, I sometimes I'm like, am I on this list? Am I on this like top designers list just because I'm the only woman you could find <laughs> like designing? That's what crosses my mind sometimes because I'm like the one putting myself out there. No, because I know there's a lot of people who are much better designers than me, but who just like aren't publishing their work. And so they haven't been discovered to go on these lists, if that, that makes sense. Okay. So... We've got some imposter syndrome going on. <laughs> um, we, we might also have slightly that, off topic there, my bad. But <laughs> no, 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 but I think, I, think it's, I think it's interesting because it plays to this idea of two questions that like hypothetical questions come out of this. Is my work good enough to stand for itself, right? Without everything that makes me me, you know, is my art or anything that? Like if I had an art show and it was just the gallery and no one knew anything about the artist or anything like that, would they go and be like, wow, this is incredibly moving. Or they'd be like, I don't know. And so the same thing with design, like, am I truly a great designer or is it that people are following me because they like who I am? Yeah, right. Is it the, me as a person or is it my personal brand that you're interested in? I guess is the way to right. bring it back. <laughs> and there's, there's this idea that, you know, the work should be good enough to stand entirely on its own. But I think it's so rare that that actually happens. I guess Banksy would be an example. How much more famous is Banksy because of being anonymous and the the play of that? And maybe that's a case of of them saying, like, my art will stand for itself and you shouldn't pay any attention to me. You shouldn't dig layers back of like, oh, the artist did this because of this in his childhood and whatever else. It's like, no, it's a whole cultural statement and it can stand on its own because there's nothing, 
else for it to compare to? It's a it's a complicated topic. Um, kind of a one last thing that I want to talk about, and unless you have other things as well, but is the self sabotage that I think creators can do. Is I think that we can overcomplicate these things, and and then get to a point where we actually start to get in our own ways. I've seen this a lot with people who get an audience going, say two, three, four, five thousand people on an email list. And then, and they sell that first product and they make the first 10, 20, $30,000 and they find that level of success. And then they think like, oh, I don't deserve this. There's this mindset that, that I think you see with a lot of creators of like, good things don't happen to me. And so then when good things do happen, you're like, okay, but the shoe's about, like the other shoe's about, like something is going to happen to take this all away so I shouldn't enjoy it. And they end up doing things to sabotage the thing that was working. I don't think that's at all what, Paul is doing. I think that he's super thoughtful and and I think he more than anyone is clear on what he wants. And he's just saying like, this is what I want. I'm going for it. Um, but I'd be really careful of that, of the problems that are in front of you, you know, for the hypothetical creator who's listening, like take a step back and try to see, are these real existential problems or are they more just a function of doing the work and questions that come up from that? Yep. And also this is a case where you really need like the Barrett that you talked about sending him the message on Slack instead of uh, tweeting it. Like you need that person that you can talk to instead of, I don't know, the amount of public meltdowns that I've witnessed on Twitter from creators over the years, you know, that it's really unfortunate. And it happens when you reach this point where your life is, well, like you said, it's, it's changing in a way that maybe you didn't expect or don't believe you deserve or something. And you can self-sabotage in that way. So having a community, having someone you can talk to in a more private setting about it um, instead of burning it all down while you're in the in the height of the emotion is important. Yeah, and I think just to wrap it up, there are plenty of ways to do it. It's not all or nothing. It's not one version, one person's version of a brand. You could gradually transition into being entirely, you know, a brand that's bigger than you, that's not your name. You know, you don't have to start over to do it. Look for the creators who do things in a way that you think, oh, I wish I could have that. And then dig into why specifically. What are the aspects of it that you really like? And that might be one of those things where you're like, oh man, I always want to start a a vlog and be popular on YouTube and all these things. And then you realize, wait, but the creators that I follow the most are the ones who, now that I think about it, don't share their personal life. Okay. Maybe I don't want it. Like, maybe it's not the trip to the park with my kids that I'm going to vlog. Maybe it's just the conference or maybe it's just what I learned this week or any of those things and realizing that everyone can have their own style and there's room for all of it online. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a perfect way to sum it up. So it's basically just something you have to answer for yourself. (laughs) This is the result. (laughs) We have no answers, but we do have creators that we can feature. So Charlie, who do you want to feature today? Uh, I'm going to share my screen. So ironically, this is a creator who does share a lot of their life. (laughs) Uh, This is Hannah Lee Duggan. She is this just like wonderful, wonderful creator who is so like ethereal and like, I don't know, just she's so cool. She's just really cool. She bought a cabin in the woods recently and she's been renovating it, doing it up. And it's been fun to watch as she films her her process. So I would highly recommend if you want some like nice chill vlogs to have on in the background. Nice. That's super fun. Uh, I'm going to feature a creator named Austin Church. And we actually 
just launched a creator story with Austin. Uh, but this ties into, into today's because one of the only times that I've been recognized in public, I was on my way to speak at a conference in Sweden, of all places, and I was flying through the New York airport. And I, I walked into the, the Delta Lounge at JFK. And this guy goes, oh, excuse me, are you Nathan, are you Nathan Barry? And I was like, uh, what? Yeah. And, and it was Austin. And it, so we struck up a conversation. We chatted and I was like, oh, well, you know, where are you headed? Like, we're just talking. He's like, I'm going to the same conference you are. I was like, oh, right. <laughs> okay. You recognize me because I'm on the speaker list for the conference that we're both headed to. But Austin is just an int- incredible creator. He's written all kinds of things. He's come to Craft Commerce a bunch of times. And I won't say too much more because you should just listen to his story. Um, well, listen or read. However you want uh, to consume it, yeah. <laughs> however you want to consume it. So anyway, I thought that'd be a, a good story to feature since it's, I think, the only time that I've been recognized in public <laughs> in like a totally random setting. I love that. <laughs> Great way to tie it in. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, well, that's it for today. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, and we'll see you. We won't see you on Friday because it's Black Friday and we'll either be not at all working or trying to keep hundreds of millions of emails sending properly. So either way, we're not going to be podcasting. <laughs> and so we'll see you next week on Monday. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time.